And I'm Sarah. And this is Eerie, Eerie Encounters. Encounters. I think we're getting better. Uh, maybe. <laughs> I think we're getting better. We, surely at some point we'll get this spot on. And if not, I can see if I can play, do some magic when I come to edit it and try and make it as close to... Maybe. For our 100th episode, if you can put up with me that long. <laughs> if you turn the sound down and sort of squint a little bit, then it's yeah. not so bad. <laughs> Mind you, I've definitely decided that I've got a face for radio. Me too, so it's it's why we do this and talk to each other about ghosts. And I can actually see you today, which is quite... But I've still got my teaching background. I know, I did see that and it did make me smile. Oh dear. Right, so what are we doing today, Nick? I think today we are going to talk about palaces because, let's say, let's face it, there's nothing quintessentially British than a good palace and a good castle and... A stately home of some description. So I think we need to touch on palaces. I like that idea. I'm a bit of a princess. Yeah, let's talk about palaces. Which one do you live in? (laughs) I guess is the question. Which one is yours? Be nice. Let's go Buckingham Palace. That's got to go under a a lot of renovations and stuff. I would say go Windsor Castle, even though it's a castle, but I would go Windsor. Have you been inside Buckingham Palace? Sorry, we're digressing, but... No, I haven't. So I would like to go and see Buckingham Palace. I love their stairs. Just the whole entire building is pretty impressive, I think. Yeah, no, it's nice. I could live there. Mind you, a lot of cleaning. Well, it's like got something ridiculous, like 200 and something rooms or something. I can't deal with my two-bedroom house, let alone 200 rooms. By the time you get to the end, you have to start again. Exactly. Not my idea of fun. I have a cleaner anyways. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, mind you, if you were the queen, you probably would go, do you know what, I'll get someone in. Yeah, a few cleaners to just look after the place. Oh gosh, and a gardener. And a maintenance man. Yeah. Or lady. Yes, equal opportunities. Exactly. Probably be better than the men. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, all the men are just like, switch. Okay, so do you want me to go first? I think so, if that's all right. Okay, so we're going to be looking at the story of Hampton Court Palace. And you know the drill by now. We're going to be jumping straight into the history. So, Hampton Court Palace has a whopping 500-year history, but it's most famously known to be home to Henry VIII and the Tudor dynasty. It was built by Cardinal Worsley in the early 16th century, and the palace soon attracted the attention of Henry VIII, I guess the perks of being the king, and the palaces then changed throughout the years with Sir Christopher Wren adding onto it during William III and Mary II's reign, and he then built a really elegant new Baroque-style palace. Since being opened to the public in 1838 by Queen Victoria, it's now remained a magnet for millions of visitors from all around the world. And I've been there several times. Yeah. Its draw is obviously the grandeur, the fabulous art collection, and what we're here for... The ghosts! Yay! So, let's start having a look at Cardinal Wolseley. Yes. Cardinal Wolseley was, at the time, Henry VIII's Lord Chancellor, and he started the Hampton Court's transformation from the ordinary country house into a magnificent palace. So he wanted to create a building where he could host not only the king, but also royal courts and monarchs from across the world. 
So he invested a huge sum of money, created a palace that was perfect for the king, but the palace then caught the attention of Henry VIII, and he, Wolsey was so successful at making a palace that Henry would like, Henry decided to take the palace for himself. <laughs> wow, imagine being able to have that kind of power. Oh yeah, imagine... I'm going to go to someone's house and go, you know what, I like this house, I'll have it, thanks very much. Oh yeah, I'm moving in. Yeah. Off your truck. Yeah, I'm moving in, you're moving out. We're all happy. No, we're not. It wasn't even a case of he told Wolsey, you know what, you can move downstairs. No, it was a case of, I'm taking you home. <laughs> yeah, you're now homeless. Get out of my house. Oh dear, wow, to be king. By the 1530s, not only was Hampton Court Palace a hotel, a theatre and a leisure complex, it was also a, a demonstration of the power in which the king used to show off by having lavish banquets and this extravagant court life with fancy artwork. In addition to this, there were Henry's and the Queen's state and private apartments, which is where they would have both relaxed, but also there was accommodation for the courtiers. And the style of these then depended on the status of the occupants. There was also 30 suites of lodgings, which were for the grandest of visitors. So they all were given their own apartments when they came to well, stay. Well, that's neat. I mean, in fairness, the palace is big enough. You could give them a whole floor. Well, yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a wing, please. <laughs> <laughs> so the palace also unfortunately held some unhappy memories for Henry. So his third wife, Jane Seymour, actually died after giving birth to Edward, who later then became Edward VI. It's said that she was actually the favourite of Henry's wives. She was the only one that gave him a son, so that's probably why. That's my thinking as well, to be fair. Um, yeah. But she's the only one that's actually buried with him. Really? I didn't know that she was the only one buried with him. Yeah, all the rest just sort of darting all over the place. Wow. Got two of them at the tower. Yeah, I guess most of them he chopped off their heads and divorced them, I guess. I mean, he pretty much comes with a manual on how not to be a husband. Yes. Yeah, what not to do. <laughs> yeah. Number one, don't chop their heads off. So as well as um, Henry's third wife, Henry's fifth wife is also said to haunt the palace. She was arrested and then later executed at the Tower of London for adultery and treason. And that was Catherine Howard, wasn't it? Yeah. So the original kitchens were actually built in the late 1400s. However, during Henry's reign, they were added to and enlarged upon. Up to 800 courtiers often accompanied the king, and of course, they required feeding. The kitchens then had to become an efficient food factory and had to serve 1,600 meals a day. That's a lot wow. of food. I mean, that's, yeah, that's... That's incredible, isn't it? I mean, they must have worked incredibly hard. Just imagine on the washing up. But they wouldn't also have any of the helpful gadgets that we have today in use, would they? Because they wouldn't have had mixers and blenders and ovens. Well, they would have ovens, but it wouldn't be as easy as turning the knob to switch it on, would it? You would need staff to look after the fires, you would need people to look after the spits, you would need people to wash up and clean up, you would need so many people, so many servants. That's probably why they had lots of entertainment, because cooking <laughs> cooking took so long. 
Yeah. Exactly. They went, right, we need to distract people. How can we do that? I know, let's get some court jesters to do some funny things. Funny you should say that, because Hampton (gasps) Court was also a playhouse and a prison. Oh, but there you go. During the 17th century, there were many dramatic events that took place at the palace, most of them taking place in the Great Hall. So in 1603, William Shakespeare's The King's Men, so the acting troupe that he was a part of, which ironically was actually James I was a patron of, (laughs) performed for James I with a topic that very much appealed to him, Macbeth. I bet that appealed. (laughs) Very, very superstitious was James, and he truly believed that witches had tried to kill him. Oh, yes. That goes back to our witches episode, doesn't it? James I, he created the like how to identify a witch book didn't he i can't even remember what it's called now but that a, a monarch had published you know an instruction manual so to speak of how to figure out who was a witch so of course shakespeare wrote macbeth in order to appease him because it was a subject that james was very very into that'd be pretty cool yeah i mean imagine having a writer that could just write things you knew that you were going to enjoy write things for you Yeah, could someone out there write us a play on ghost stories? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) anyone, anyone at all. So James I was also obviously responsible for the King James Bible. And it was in 1611, it was actually at at Hampton Court that the decision was made to publish this Bible. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. And then in 1647, Charles found himself under house arrest. As you do. So that's the prison, yeah? Yeah. And I'm guessing this is because of Mr. Cromwell? Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, in 1647, as we said, Charles found himself under arrest, actually at Hampton Court, which must have been really hard for him because his son's home and palace now was his prison. I guess we can all kind of relate to that in some ways with all the COVID lockdowns and stuff. Didn't your house feel like your prison during that time? Oh, yes. <laughs> I'm like, let me out, let me out. So in an attempt to flee Oliver Cromwell's parliamentarians, the king did escape through the Privy Gardens. However, he was then recaptured and, of course, executed in 1649. So that really didn't work very well for him. No. However, Cromwell did later save the palace from destruction. So despite his Puritan ideals, he actually appreciated fine art. As you do. And tapestries, and enjoyed living like a king. Uh, Again, as you certainly would. Absolutely. So yeah, despite being a Puritan, actually... He liked the finer things in life. But... Yeah. So in 1689, William III and Mary II to the throne... And they then asked, as we already mentioned, Christopher Wren to design the palace for them. Wren actually scrapped the original idea, which was to demolish the palace and start from scratch. Um, So now what we are left with is pretty much the Tudor Palace intact, which I think it would have been such a shame to have... And all that history. Yeah, I think it's probably the best outcome, isn't it? That quite a lot of the Tudor Palace still remains thanks to the change of plans. Because if it, like, they demolished it and started again, we wouldn't have the history of this beautiful place. And I mean, you go into the Tudor sections and it's impressive. Like, just how they would have built it. And yeah, it's, 
yeah, it's just somewhere you'd really want to visit. Yeah, no, it really, really is. If you haven't been to Hampton Court, I would honestly, yeah. Highly recommend. It's yeah. an amazing piece of history. Um, So William also introduced the gardens and the privy garden. And the famous maze, which I have been lost in a few times, was introduced in the 17th century. I mean, it doesn't take much, let's face it, for me to get lost. So a maze is pretty much, you know, just going to floor me. And it was opened by the Duchess of Kent. It then had to be replanted, however, in the 1960s with visitor-proof hedges. I don't know what that is. What were people doing to it? I know, what were they doing to the maze? Probably, like, they... going through holes in them and... Yeah, were they, like, taking cuttings to put in their garden or something? Yeah, this is part of Hampton Court. I need to know, anyone at Hampton Court that may be listening to this, please tell us, what did the public do to result in having to have the whole maze replanted? I need to know. Visitor-proof hedges. <laughs> I want to also know, how is a hedge visitor-proof? What? Yeah. What, what were they doing to the hedges? Oh, I love the maze, though. I mean, you can, well, you can spend hours in there. <laughs> Particularly if it, they are you. Yeah. Oh, dear. It doesn't help that I don't know my left and rights. That's hilarious. Go left. No, the other left. The other one. So, when the palace was then opened to the public in 1838, the maze quickly became one of the most popular tourist attractions and in fairness it remains so to this day yeah you can understand why so also have you been inside the chapel i have yep oh it's beautiful isn't it the ceiling oh my goodness the east end of the chapel once contained a great double window filled with stained glass and it had henry the eighth catherine of aragon and cardinal Wolsey, of course it's like freeze the crowd but never mind However, it was actually destroyed in the Commonwealth and then later bricked up. Mm. I know. Um, later then, in 1710, Queen Anne commissioned Christopher Wren to remodel the chapel. And he added in the pews, an organ and a staircase, which leads to the royal pew. So the chapel that we see today isn't the original. No, okay. It's still stunning. Yes, definitely. Uh, George I then built an impressive suite of rooms for his son, as you do, and his wife, Princess Caroline. And he then commissioned a new kitchen, which is now known as the Georgian House. And then in 1718, the Tudor Tennis Courts was refurbished into a grand assembly room and the Great Hall was converted into a theatre. Really? Yeah. So more changes happened in 1727... This is when the palace then entered its final phase as a royal residence. Then in 1737, apartments were built. They weren't the most comfortable of places, however, and residents often complained that they were damp and cold, and some of them didn't even have hot water. So you might have lived in a palace, but yeah. It wasn't that good. Not so great. Bit drafty. In fact, there's actually a quote from Charles Dickens' novel, um, Little Dorrit, in which a character says, my mother lives in a most primitive manner down in that dreary red brick dungeon at Hampton Court. So it actually refers to how terrible the housing was. Oh, shade from Charles Dickens. (laughs) Yeah. The most eloquent shade you've ever heard. Yeah, just poke the bear. (laughs) So in 1838, Queen Victoria ordered the gates of Hampton Court Palace to be open 
to all of her subjects. Which I think is fantastic, isn't it? It's amazing. So this and so visitors flock in to the, enjoy the palace and the architecture and, and get lost in the maze, in my case, <laughs> and relax in the beautiful gardens. In fact, by 1881, there actually were over 10 million visitors that were recorded wow. to have visited. So that's a huge number for that time, especially when you think of things like transport and everything else. It's There isn't the motor car that you can just hop in. It's not quite as easy as just getting the train down to London, <laughs> is it? So, yeah. Hampton Court was one of the few attractions that actually opened on a Sunday. So visitors arrived by every possible means from boat to coach. And their journeys were made easier, of course, when the railways were introduced in 1849. However, this sudden rush was not altogether welcomed by the residents that actually lived there. And they often complained that the gardens now became hell on earth, the people were drunk, and the scenes in the gardens on a Sunday were sinful. So you can kind of imagine what happened there. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. So it was not in my backyard all the way back in Victorian times. Pretty much, yeah. That's probably where the saying came from. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. In the 1920s, a car park, a tennis court and a calf were also added. Priorities. Yeah, because that's what you need. Definitely need a good cafe. Oh, everywhere you need a cafe. So the palace is still a magnet for visitors from all over the world. One of the newest attractions being the Tuner-inspired Magic Garden, which was opened in 2016 by the Duchess of Cambridge. Mm. So there's also two famous annual shows. There's the RHS Flower Show and the Mm -hmm. Art Collection, which is permanent, and it then has a display of some of the Royal Collection's finest. Nice. So... That's the history. I know that from visiting the palace, there is what was referred to as the necessary office, which is the toilet or the water closet. And Lawrence found that hilarious. He's like, the necessary office. From now on, I'm referring to the bathroom as the necessary office. I'm like, yeah, can you tell him I'm stealing that? That's brilliant. <laughs> I'm just going to the necessary office. Yeah, and they'll be like, where are you going? <laughs> I have a business meeting. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Right. So, would you like a few ghost stories? Yes, please. So, we all love a good ghost story, but nobody could do them better than, of course, the Victorians. And they realised very quickly that terror sells tickets. Oh, it certainly does. It does. So, in the early 20th century, the darker periods of the palace history were retold for enjoyable chills. Excellent. The best-selling postcards at Hampton Court actually were in the 1900s, were of spirits in the historic spaces. Awesome. However, they were actually proven fake. I know. And they were just double-exposed photographs. How annoying. Although... Stories of spirits still persist today, and there's actually numerous sightings of spirits at the palace. Two of them, as we mentioned earlier, are actually two of Henry's wives. Mm. So we mentioned his beloved third wife, Jane Seymour, who died giving birth to their only son. But also, famously, 
Catherine Howard, who was executed in 1542 for adultery, is said to haunt the haunted gallery. She's meant to run through it, isn't she? So, Which is fair enough, because I think there is discussion amongst historians as to whether the accusations were actually true or not. Oh. And yeah, I would be pretty annoyed and I would run away too if I was in that position. Oh, and she was so young. She must have been... Oh, she was... So she must have been terrified. Yeah, she wasn't old at all, was she? So let's start with Jane Seymour. A really sad, upset lady carrying a lighted taper is said to be Jane Seymour. As mentioned, she died with post-birth complications actually at Hampton Court, only a few days after delivering Edward. While delighting with his male heir... The king was then obviously devastated because he lost his queen. A pale figure is reported on the stairs, which once led up to the room in which Jane actually gave birth and then died. So the activity is actually said to increase around the anniversary of Edward's birth, which is in October in 1537. Now, Jane is actually the only one of Henry's wives, as we mentioned earlier, that's buried with him in Windsor Castle. But her heart and organs were actually buried somewhere underneath the altar in the Royal Chapel at Hampton Court. So that could be why she still haunts that place. That's really weird. Why would they do that? I don't know. I mean, you know, that could be one of the reasons that she's still there. Yeah. But I also guess that if it's happening usually in October, it's a replay of what happened. It sounds very residual, almost like a tape player sort of like reliving that moment. Which is not the best thing. I would hope that when I die, that I'm not going to be reliving one of the worst moments of my life over and over again. That sounds pretty traumatic. I'm wondering if it's almost like just... See, I'm now going to completely freak out, but I think it's... Almost as if time crosses, maybe, and you sort of just see a snippet of something that's already happened. Mm. But I'm wondering if it's sort of almost as if you're not seeing it there and then. It's like you're seeing something. You're looking back into the past. I Mm. I know what I mean in my head. Now, as mentioned, the ghost of Catherine Howard, Henry's fifth wife, is reportedly a lot more vocal. As you said. Well, yes. Yeah. So her sightings are really reported regularly. And she was beheaded at the Tower of London in 1542. You were right, she was only 19. Mm, she's a baby. Yeah, so she was arrested for adultery and treason and then put on house arrest at Hampton Court. Now, it's claimed that after she was arrested at Hampton Court, the terrified teenager broke free of her guards and ran down the haunt, what's now called the Haunted Gallery. But she was caught by the guards, only then to be dragged back, screaming out for the king to grant her mercy. Now, this never reached Henry, however, who actually wasn't even in the room that she thought he was in. He was actually praying in the chapel. So that even though the guards dragged her away, she never actually saw Henry again. But it's fine if you pray to God for forgiveness. Yeah. That you're just killing a 19-year-old. It's all fine. And it's actually said that it's her anguished ghost that now repeats this heartbreaking journey, banging on the door 
in desperation. I mean, she thought that Henry was in that room. She thought that banging on the door, she'd be able to get his attention and tell him that she's innocent. But he never heard her. Now, Catherine Howard's screams are still heard to this day. And it's reported that she visits the palace's haunted gallery, which is why it's now called that, really often. She was accused of adultery by Henry VIII and was put on house arrest. Catherine Howard was then executed at the Tower of London. And guests and staff at the palace have reported hearing her screams from within the haunted gallery. One evening in 1999, so not that long ago. And this is when I say, well, that's like 24, 25 years ago. How old does it make you feel when you say a day and think, really old? That's only five minutes ago. Yeah. So actually during two different tours, two female visitors fainted in precisely the same spot. Mm-hmm. And it's the same spot that actually screams of Catherine have been heard. That's interesting. Yeah. So Edward later became king at the age of nine. However, he then died at 15 after a short illness. So there's another ghost story linked to Hampton Court, the Grey Lady. Have you heard this one? Do love a Grey Lady or a White Lady. This is believed to be Sybil Penn. So she's also known as the Grey Lady of Hampton Court. She's one of the other ghosts that's regularly seen. And several sightings of the Grey Lady have been reported in various areas around the castle. So she was a servant to the Tudor monarchs of the house and a nurse to Prince Edward and Elizabeth I. Now she cared for the future queen when she was sick with smallpox. Only then Sybil died of the same disease. Oh no. So the first sightings of her spectre began in 1829, a few hundred years after her death, and it was when her tomb was moved. So she was disturbed, someone disturbed her. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's believed that actually this could have stirred up her activity. So her grave was disturbed, and then several strange noises were reported with some saying that they could hear a spinning wheel constantly throughout the court. Now, in a search within the palace, they actually found an antique spinning wheel, which could be a coincidence, but some of the palaces she continues to haunt are the clock court and the state apartments, so the apartments that a lot of the residents now live in, or did live in. So, in the 1830s, the first floor rooms were home to the Ponsonby family. Now, they complained that they were hearing the sound of the spinning wheel and a woman's voice. And it's reported that when they started to investigate, they actually found in a sealed chamber behind the wall, they actually found an old spinning wheel. Now, at the same time, a guard saw a woman in a grey hooded robe leave the apartments. But then she vanished. Yay. And Princess Frederica of Hanover described seeing a tall, gaunt woman dressed in a long grey robe. She said that the, she had a hood over her head and her lanky hands were outstretched in front of her. Because that's not creepy. A little bit creepy. Zombie ghost. <laughs> <laughs> so the rooms above were said to have been home to Sybil Penn. Ah, uh, so that's why. The nurse. Now, she then died of smallpox in 1568. And she was actually buried in St Mary's Church in Hampton. 
But in 1829, her grave was robbed. Oh, no. So it was then after that the Ponsonby family moved in, and that's when the activity started to happen. So, yeah, poor Sybil. Yeah, don't mess with remains if you can help it, people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) If you learn anything from today. (laughs) I mean, if you accidentally stumble across something, I mean... Leave them be. So there's actually another ghost that's called the Hampton Court Skeleton. Have you heard of this one? No, because that doesn't sound ominous. A little bit, and it's really creepy. It's thought to actually be Henry VIII's ghost. So this ghostly figure was famously captured on CCTV, which people have since said actually resembles a skeleton, and it's now been reported worldwide. And if you look at the picture, it does. It looks like a skeleton face. In robes. It's really Really? eerie. Really eerie. Oh, creepy. I shall see if I can get this video and put it in the... Either a link to the notes or in social media somewhere. Nick is our tech genius. So I just kind of point and say, how how do we put that on there? And and (laughs) then Nick does it. Yeah, (laughs) make it better. No, sometimes it works. Sometimes I have to call in the big guns if it really isn't working. And I'm like, Lawrence, help! Sometimes it's like, we need to go higher. We need Lawrence. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, every time he comes to visit, bless him, I'm like, so, my laptop, Can fix you it. <laughs> Can you do this? Oh, dear. So, the image was actually caught in 2003. Minutes ago, yeah? Yeah, not long. Yeah. I mean, again, we were alive. So, when security <laughs> staff reviewed the footage, they saw that on the first day... The doors swung open with so much force, but there was nothing behind them. And they couldn't work out how such, you know, that occurred. It wasn't windy, and so they carried on watching over the next, the following few nights. And a few nights later, the CCTV cameras, put your teeth in Sarah, CCTV cameras caught an imposing figure which resembled... The late king. Now that's just creepy. Yeah, and it really does. I mean, it l- does look. It's a large man. You can see that. It looks like he's got sort of, you know. Is this the doorway that I spent ages trying to find with Becky and take photos of? Yes, I think it might be. Uh, I didn't realise he was called the skeleton ghost. Ah, uh, so I have found when I went to visit, I found the doorway. I, at least I think I found the doorway and tried to get a sneaky picture, but it's in one of the areas that visitors aren't really meant to go into, so we have to stand behind a barrier. I love it. It's like when I went to the Sistine Chapel and I took pictures of the ceiling and then you got thrown out. Apparently you're not <laughs> supposed to do that either. Well, you're not allowed to do that in the chapel at Hampton Court either. <laughs> but I didn't. I was good. I did not take photos in there. I took photos everywhere else. Oh, we'll have to put some pictures up. Yes, I'll have to get them off my camera. So there are also creepy stories and ghostly encounters throughout Hampton Court. But I mean, with all that history, there's oh, you kind of yeah, you kind of assume, don't you, that there's got to be something kicking around somewhere, and so much unhappiness and death before their time, and yeah, Uh, yeah, there's so much emotion or also attached. Are you just definitely the emotions? Yeah, no. Do you think that's what hauntings might be linked to? I think so. I think it's... There needs to be some degree of emotional I think there's almost... Maybe if a really strong emotion has been felt in that place, maybe it's almost like an imprint and something, mm. then it's like 
as we said, it's all for almost replays. Maybe mm. you know, because I, I, I find emotions and hauntings are often interlinked. Anyway, you can sometimes walk into a place and suddenly feel sadness or feel fear or you know. So they're very closely entwined. I think. Hmm. Look at us getting all philosophical. Philosophical. That's the one I'm trying to say. Yeah, that one too. Oh dear. I knew what you meant. Yeah. Close but no cigar. <laughs> so there's also a ghostly dog. You'll like this one. Nick. This is my favourite. This, if there's a dog, then it's my kind of place. Now this dog has been seen and heard several times in the past. And Queen Victoria actually banned dogs in the palace. Although exceptions were made for lap dogs belonging to people that live there. And the definition of a lap dog was... It's Timmy, isn't it? It's the... Timmy wanting to sit on your lap. Yeah. Um, it was slightly open to interpretation because some of them were rather big. Because how can you ban dogs from a place? I mean, that's just rude. And for most of the time, for me, it's people are tolerated, but bring on the dogs. Yeah. Now, dogs are not the only animals that are said to have spirits at the palace. So during the 1980s and 1990s, several visitors appeared to almost step over something. Really? In the same area. Now, when questioned by staff, because they obviously thought it was a little bit strange. Like, have you seen those over there? They're stepping over something that is not there. Yeah, well, the visitors claimed that they were stepping over a white cat. Oh, wow. Yeah, and quite a few visitors said the same thing. That is pretty cool. There was also a lady called Lady Hillyard, and she complained that her rooms were often visited by two invisible beings, and she was being disturbed by the sound of knocking. So when workmen came in to lay new drains, they actually discovered that there were skeletons of two men buried under the pavement near her house. No way. Now, it's believed that these two men were actually cavaliers and they were executed during the Civil War and they were buried secretly. It's a bit random though, isn't it? To bury them under a floor yeah. outside a house or residence. So that didn't make a lot of sense. And actually, in fact, they were two workmen that were killed when the apartments collapsed. Oh, that makes more sense. So that's why they were there. And yeah, so that is Hampton Court Palace. Wow, it's definitely worth a visit to Hampton Court. Oh, I loved researching this one. And I think the best thing that they have done is they've actually produced a map of all the haunted locations so that you can go and see them yourself. Yes. That's the best bit. I wish they did some sort of ghost tour there. I mean, they should. I think they do. <gasps> right. I think... Like, I know the Tower of London lets you go in after dark and they talk about the ghosts and stuff. We're doing that too. Yeah. Add it to the list. This list is getting pretty long. It's huge, this list. It just keeps getting longer. Each episode, we're like, we're going there too. So, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to start filming them. <gasps> Definitely need some money to get yeah. the filming though, because <laughs> at the moment, we're relying on, yes, my computer, your computer, and yeah. cobbled together stuff. <laughs> Oh dear. So yeah, that's Hampton Court. Brilliant. So, what is it you're going to be talking about, Nick? So, I will be talking to you about another palace, obviously, and I'm going to be talking to you about Kensington Palace in London, which used to be the residence of now King Charles, but it would have been Prince Charles back then, 
and Lady Diana Spencer and also to the Cambridges for a time before they moved over to Windsor. So it has links to modern day royalty. Wow. I actually, I remember going there as a kid um, just after Diana was killed in the car accident oh. and um, we put flowers over there and the atmosphere, considering you were in the centre of London, it was... Was it sombre? I mean, mm. yeah, I must have been about 11, I think, and I just remember sort of, <laughs> yeah, the feeling and the emotion there. You just, yeah, there's no words for it. Yeah, I can't imagine it. It's a bit like watching the funeral of the Queen that got to me. And I think I probably said this before, but the when you saw the corgis and you saw her pony do the bowl as her coffin went past, that was it. That ruined me. Yeah, see, I, I found Phillips harder to watch. I think almost because you saw the Queen on her own. Yes, that was very sad, wasn't it? And it was during COVID as well, so none of her family could be with her to support her. Yeah, I mean, she was... I mean, she had some strength. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't know, I think Hampton Court is probably one of my favourite places to visit and definitely just the atmosphere, the artwork, yes. I mean, don't get me wrong, Kensington Palace is pretty special as well, but if I had to pick one of them, I think I'd pick Hampton Court Palace. Yeah, no, it's it's just beautiful and the history there, I think... I just love the Great Hall and all those stained mm. glass windows and yeah, no, it's just it feels almost electric. You can yeah. just feel the atmosphere of it and yeah, there's so much history. We're so lucky to have so we much history indeed. on our doorstep. Literally on our doorstep. Yeah. So thank you so much for listening. As always, if you've got any comments or you have any suggestions then do get in contact with us. You can find us on all the social media platforms. Don't think we've done a TikTok yet because I think at the beginning we did discuss we have faces for radio and so we haven't ventured into the world of TikToks yet, but we may do, you never know. You can also email us at podcast at eerie-encounters.co.uk. We will endeavour to get back to you if you do email us or if you talk to us on social media. You are coming through directly to us. We don't have anyone monitoring it other than the two of us. And we have had some awesome things come through on the social medias. If you have any suggestions of things you would like us to talk about, we're up for most things, I think. Yeah. So yeah, so until next time, I'm Nick. And I'm still Sarah. Sometimes I do wonder if you are still Sarah. And this is... Eerie Encounters. Bye. That's mean doing this. The whispering is so mean. Sweet dreams. Mm.